Hey everybody, it's Aaron Albert. It is Friday, November 29th, Black Friday. You know the drill. We made it. Hope everybody had a fantastic Thanksgiving. And if you live, of course, OUS, a fantastic week and Thursday. I am back. I'm a little tardy this morning because I got up early and I was working on final preparations for the non-traditional healthcare professional elective. Had to get all the judges' paperwork together, send out a message to the students to get them prepped for their final oral presentations. I've been grading the written presentations. It's a lot of work at the end of the semester for a lowly professor or a lowly clinical instructor in my case, but um, I'm excited after reading and starting to uh, assess some of the written dossiers that the students turned in. They're doing a phenomenal job. I love that. Uh, I think we've had a modicum of impact on them, so that pleases me. But uh, it brings up another situation on this Black Friday that I know I from time to time struggle with. And right now, you'd think at the end of the year, things would be kind of wrapping up and calming down and you'd have less on your plates. And I know there's a lot of literature out there that says busy is the new stupid. But first and foremost, I don't think we all have a choice as to how much busyness we do or do not have in our workplaces. So I don't like the smug tone of a lot of those articles on bragging about being busy and how you're stupid if you're busy. I completely disagree with that. I think some of the people that are doing the most interesting things career-wise, professionally, are just perpetually busy. I'm honestly myself included in that. I'm busier than I've ever been and it's not a badge of honor. It just is what it is. So Here's what I do when I start getting a little overwhelmed by the cult of busyness. Just like I did this morning, I was up at 5 a.m. and I decided that I was going to get my calendar out and get my you-know-what together. So what I did was I went through all the things that I have coming up in the next two to five months-ish, really focused on the next couple of months, made sure that everything I'm responsible for delivering is on my digital calendar. That is so important. Meaning not only are you going to put the items on your calendars, but you're also going to block time to produce whatever it is that's due uh, on your calendars as well. Because if you don't block the time, that cult of busyness and everyone else's urgence become your importance. And then last thing you know, you're scrambling last minute to do the things that you need to really focus on. So those are kind of some of the steps that I took this morning, particularly with this certification as one example that I'm working on right now. It's 15 weeks. We just had uh, the classroom didactic week full portion of it a week ago. And so that was easy to block on my calendar, but the coming weeks, the the additional 10 weeks of learning activities, I needed to get on my calendar this morning, which I did. But if you don't put it on, you'll just keep wondering. And then the first time you miss uh, an assignment or something that's due, I know I do, I freak out. So I just didn't want to do it that way. 
Okay, so get everything on your calendar. The next step that I take is I start at today and work forward. Meaning, so for example, today I have a couple of podcasts, uh, episodes with guests scheduled. So I have to make sure that I have my ducks in a row for that. Then I look at the weekend. I really don't have a lot going on on the weekend. But then when Monday hits again next week, I've got a webinar at work. On Tuesday, we have the first day of our final exams at the non-traditional healthcare professional at Butler, followed by some other things that I've got going on that week, and then the second podcasting 101 workshop I have to deliver. So I work through literally every day from today until I get everything knocked out for each subsequent day. That, for me, is the best way to plan ahead. And when I get to very, very short turnaround times, like I feel like I'm doing right now, um, I have to break it down into kind of today forward. Normally, I'm much more of a futurist, but for some reason this year, just don't feel as organized. Also this weekend, I put together a piece on Mind Your Mid-Year, meaning mid-year, ASHP's mid-year is coming up. I know there's a lot of P4s out there with ratcheting anxiety over it. If you're not familiar with the pharmacy world and mid-year, mid-year is basically the big conference. It'll be in Las Vegas uh, the week of December 10th-ish this year where... uh, Final pharmacy year students go out and interview for residencies and or fellowships. It is kind of a stressful meeting simply because it's huge, number one, over 20,000 people attend it. And number two, you really have to go into it with a plan. (laughs) So just like I talked about as an adult, adulting in the real world, you too as a student must also have your you-know-what together before you even get to mid-year. So I wanted to ratchet back some of that anxiety. I reposted over at LinkedIn on a long post some of the things, podcasts, articles, etc. that I've collaborated and or written in the past to help you if you are a P4 pharmacy student uh, getting ready for Vegas and mid-year this year. So go back and review those. Hopefully there's some checklists there for you, some things to think about to get your own ducks in a row before you head to mid-year. And I would say my biggest piece of advice for that is bring something unique to the table. There are so many great PharmD candidates. They are all rock stars academically, but they're all at the end of the day, just pharmacy students. What is your unique flavor? I don't know what that is for each of you. But please bring some of that uniqueness, that weirdness, and weird is good. Bring something that's your sticky factor when you're interviewing with 5 million different residency directors. Be memorable. Be enthusiastic, but most of all, be memorable. Do something different. So there you go. Um, Also this weekend, while the turkey was in the oven, I had the opportunity to finally map out my team's strengths at work. And I wrote a LinkedIn long post too about some of the tools that I've used in the past for mapping out team strengths using StrengthsFinder. You can use High Five or any of the other strengths-based tests. I really like StrengthsFinder because 
of the 34 or so strengths, they list them in four domains. So um, one is more implementation, one is more sharing your voice, one is more strategic, and one is more team development. So after I mapped out our team, I could definitely see patterns, meaning that our team is really great in one particular or two particular areas. Our biggest domain is strategic, which I equally love for education. But I also saw some red flags too, potentially. Um, For example, one of those strengths being input, that most of my team loves to give their input. Meaning for me as the manager, I need to make sure moving forward that I go around the table and get everyone's opinion on a topic before we move forward and make decisions. It's just one example that I I pulled from that table. But uh, the StrengthsFinder folks have a really great map that you can utilize with your team if you've all done your own StrengthsFinder for managers or directors so you can see where your team and their strengths are. And you can lean on certain teammates when you need help with something specific, but you can also see patterns too. And that's so important, I think. Um, It's good to know the individual strengths, but then when you map them all out together, you can see where your team is really the strongest, where you really need to pay attention as a manager, especially if there's overlapping strengths. And then maybe see where the holes or the gaps are for your team too. That's, I think, so important. So great exercise. If your team has done StrengthsFinder individually, you might want to go back and look at the new StrengthsFinder team map. It's out there in addition to a bunch of other tools that I've listed on LinkedIn in a long post. A couple other things. Don't forget the rebellion. I will put a link in show notes for you to sign up for the rebellion. We're going to have a pharmacy rebellion in 2020. I don't know what that looks like yet. It will be some type of meetup, uh, like-minded individuals that really are ready for change in pharmacy. There you go. Still working on what that looks like. But you can sign up and stay involved in the link. And then last but not least... I am starting a final new mini-series for the coming decade very soon here, right here at this tiny little podcast. I'm going to look at associations for the new decade and shed some light with you when you're considering which organizations to be a part of in the new decade as well. They're mainly pharmacy and life science focused. I'll be fully disclosing that here. But I think it'll be a really good series. We've got about seven or eight different uh, leaders in respective associations or tribes talking about what they envision for pharmacy's future relative to their organizations and or tribes. So I'm really excited about that. I think it's going to be a great mini series. That's all I got this Friday. I'm going to go back to the books, hit it. I still feel like I'm behind, but I am going to catch up. No Black Friday shopping for me. I actually did a little bit online last night, but that's all I'm going to do this year. There you go. Whatever you do, eat the leftover turkey, go shopping, enjoy your weekend, do what you do best, and I'm sure I'll be back soon. Take care.